we are the people. We're, we're not this building. We are, we are the people. And God is doing some amazing things with us. And, and we really, and that's what this series is all about as we're talking about restore is that there's something extraordinary and transformative that happens when we gather together as a people. And the things that we do, we do on purpose. We're, we're, we're being intentional about those things. We talked about taking the meal together, this Lord's Supper, and, and, and the way that that transforms us and, and what that does in us. And, and another thing that we do is we sing. And, and, and we don't make any apologies about the fact that, that we sing and we're a singing people and we come together and we encourage everybody to sing. That it's not a performance, but it's something, it's a participation that everybody is being invited into. And, and I realize that for a lot of us, for, for some of us maybe, that, that, that might even seem strange. Because, I mean, let's face it, there's probably no other place in your life a bunch of strangers just get together and sing songs together for an hour, right? I mean, that doesn't normally happen. You don't do that at business meetings. You don't do that at school. You know, there are very few places where that happens. But I'll tell you, something, something extraordinary happens, doesn't it? When you sing together, and when it's just our voices blending together, it, it makes you very vulnerable, doesn't it? And some of us may be even a little self-conscious about our voices, and you know, we don't sing all that great, but, but there's something about the blending of our voices together, being together in each other's presence, and singing praises to God. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, why we do that. Why, why we sing as a congregation and why, why we encourage not just the congregation to sing, but you as an individual, me as an individual. Even if we don't sing well, even if we've never studied music, to lift your voice and praise God and blend our voices together and let those voices not only come out of your mouth, but fall on your ears and come into your heart and change you. And so we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're going to sing another song. I'm not going to lead it. Don't don't worry, okay? So, uh, But we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, don't think about the notes and don't think about the tempo and don't think about the pitch. Just think about the words and and just be aware of everybody else in this room and what God is doing in us. So let's sing together. I don't know if we realize just how much our singing has to do with the Spirit of God. We often think about the Holy Spirit, and we think, you know, when we're baptized, the Spirit comes and lives in our life, and that's true. But turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, that's going to be one of the two texts that we examine this morning. And, and let's think about what Paul says about the Spirit and how that's connected to our singing, our congregational Singing Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, Paul says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now there's all kinds of things we could point out in these few verses, but what I want you to notice is I want you to notice some of the related words and phrases that he uses, some of these words that uh, that he's bringing out, and then the contrast between these words and the ones he pairs it with. So look at the words like unwise and foolish and drunk. You see how those kind of go together? Unwise and foolish and drunk. And he's saying don't don't live your lives that way. Don't be unwise and don't be foolish. 
and don't get drunk. You, you, you see how that's, that's kind of, and, and really, I mean, there's a lot of people that live their lives that way. And just kind of go through life and just enjoy themselves and just kind of do whatever they feel like doing and just do whatever brings them pleasure or avoids pain and just kind of lives life by what they feel and by what they experience and by what they think. And, and so Paul is encouraging the church at Ephesus to be a different kind of human being, to be the kind of human being that lives their life in the Lord, in Christ. He says, because you are transformed and changed, because you're being called to live as a new kind of human, don't be unwise, don't be foolish, don't get drunk. And then notice how he contrasts those with three other terms. He says, don't be unwise or foolish or drunk. And then look how he contrasts that with wisdom, understanding, and being filled with the Spirit. Can you see how those three go together? There's unwise and foolish and drunk, and then there's wise and understanding of the Lord's will and being filled with the Spirit. So that's that, that gives us a hint, doesn't it, on what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, I mean, Paul talks about what it looks like to walk in the Spirit and the fruit that is produced in our lives, in your life group today. You're going to talk about that. And so this is what it looks like to walk by the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, is to live a wise an understanding life. But, but let's think about that for just a second. I mean, we all want to be filled with the Spirit, right? But, but that's, that's a command. That's a, a as the technical term, I'm going to get nerdy this morning, but, but be filled with the Spirit is imperative. It means you do that. Don't get drunk. That's easy. You know how to not get drunk, right? I mean, everybody knows how to not get drunk. So don't get drunk. And here's the, by contrast, here's what you're supposed to do. Imperative, be filled with the Spirit. Well, how do you do that. I mean, how do you get filled with the Spirit, right? I mean, uh, how does that work? And then he's going to tell us. Let's look at the next few verses. Verse uh, 19. Now, he notice these ing words. These are adverbial participles. Sorry, I'm, I told you it's going to get nerdy. But but this is this is how this is how we're filled with the Spirit. This is how we fulfill the command to be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So do you want to live a spirit-filled life, a wise and understanding life? Then, then Paul says this is, this is part of how you do that. This is how you live a spirit-filled, wise, and understanding life. You address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You see, our, our songs are to God, and he says that in the next phrase, but our songs are also to each other. We're addressing each other, changing each other by these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that we sing to each other. So that you can leave this place revived and changed and transformed and spirit filled and wise and understanding. So we sing these spiritual songs to each other, changing, changing each other. You want, you want to live this kind of a life? Then you have to participate in it. You, if you want to be a spirit filled person, if you want to be a wise and understanding person, then you have to participate in filling other people up with these psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, and sing, the next phrase, sing and make melody to the Lord with our heart, 
and, and then giving thanks always and for everything and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Do you see how it, it can't just be your own personal, isolated walk with Jesus? It happens with this family. It happens in the context of the community of Jesus. And we come together and we submit to each other, not just on Sundays, but daily, weekly, monthly, we're coming together, being involved in each other's life. And when we come together, this is part of what we do. We sing to God, but we also sing to one another and we fill each other up with this wisdom, with these spiritual words. But so often, so often, church, we get distracted, don't we, by how pretty it sounds and the tones and the pitch and, well, I was kind of off on that one or whatever. You know, we, we get distracted by this stuff. But it's really about the message that's coming out of your brother or your sister's mouth and it's falling on your ear and going into your heart. And then the message that's filling up your heart and coming out of your heart, out of your mouth and to your brother's and sister's ears and to God's ears. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And when we, when we participate in that week after week, month after month, year after that year, we are changed people. And it helps us to live spirit-filled, wise, and understanding lives if we're singing these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to each other. So we're going to sing another song. And again, think about the words that we're singing. And picture those words coming out of your brother and sister's heart, out of their mouth and to your ears and into your heart and out of your mouth and to their ears and to the Lord's ears and this cycle that we are participating in. And by participating in it, we are being filled up with God's Spirit so that tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, we live different kinds of lives, transformed lives, new lives because of these songs that we're singing. Let's sing together. See, I believe that that's what we're doing here, that we are becoming new. I believe that that newness begins at baptism, but it, it continues on, doesn't it? Because I'm not the person yet that I want to be. In so many ways, I'm not enough like you. Jesus, make me new. And this this gathering, this assembly, this being in each other's presence and listening to the message of the cross of Jesus Christ and singing praises to the God who has redeemed us, the God who loves us, the God who has made us his own. This process, as simple as it may be, as ordinary as it may be, it is transformative. Things don't have to be extraordinary to be transformative. They have to be regular, though, don't they? It's like diet and exercise, right? It's nothing extraordinary. I know what I need to do if I want to lose a few pounds, but it's just that daily repetition over and over and over and over and over again. And that's, that's what happens here when we're committed to each other, when we're committed to being transformed. Listen to the words of Paul in Colossians 3. He says, put on them as God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. That's, that's who you are. That's who, no matter what you've done or where you've been, when you were baptized into Jesus, that's the identity that you were given and you received as a gift. Put on then 
as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, here's how you're to live. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love. Above all these, above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And I don't know about you, but that's who I want to be, don't you? I mean, look at those words. Compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient, forgiving. Is that who you are? Are you perfect in all of those areas? I don't know about you, but I'm not. I want to be that. I want to be more and more of that. I want to put on This compassionate heart and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forgiveness. I want to be that. I want to be transformed into that. Don't you? Isn't that who we want to be? Look at what it says in verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We could spend all day talking about that. To which indeed you were called in one body... And be thankful. Now listen to this, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's, that's the command here. Like in Ephesians 5, the command was be filled with the Spirit, right? Be filled with the Spirit. That was the imperative, the command. The command here is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and let the word of Christ dwell in you Richly, We'll talk about that in a second. And then he gives us some more, I know, I know it's nerdy, but adverbial participles, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the, to God the Father through him. I mean, pay attention to a couple things that he's saying here. I mean, he's saying, this is who you are. Who are you? Holy and beloved children of God. You're chosen ones. That's who you are. You are God's saints. You are his chosen ones. You are holy and beloved. And so, since that's who you are, here's how you should live. Compassionate and kind and humble and meek and patient and forgiving lives. How do you do that? Well, you do that by letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts and doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything in our lives should revolve around Jesus, right? I mean, that's basically that's what he means, isn't it? The peace of Christ ruling in your hearts. The word of Christ. Not word like four letters form a part of a sentence, but Word as in the message, the doctrine, the teaching of who Jesus is. Every time we sing a song about who Jesus is, every time you you read your Bible, every time you hear a lesson or you hear a Bible class and Jesus is exalted and glorified and you hear the message of Jesus, the doctrine of Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, your heart is being filled up with that truth, isn't it? And you're letting that word of Christ dwell in you, how? Richly, richly. 
Let it dwell in you richly and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and everything you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything you do when you go to school or you go to work or you deal with your neighbors or you, should I say, drive on the, on the tollway or whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember who you are, church. And this, this gathering, And this singing of this message of Jesus, of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, that's a part of that. This transforms us into the kind of people who have the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts and the message of Christ, the word of Christ dwelling in us richly and people who do everything we do in word or deed, everything we say and everything we do, we do it in the name of the Lord so that we can put on compassion and kindness, humility, and meekness, and patience, and forgiveness, so that this becomes who we are. Because the peace of Christ is ruling in our hearts. The word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. And everything we do in word or deed, we do in the name of the Lord. And and again, look at those adverbial participles. I promise, that's the last time I'll say it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How? Here's how teaching and admonishing and singing, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's how you go about letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You teach each other and you admonish each other and you sing praises to God. And the more you participate in that, the more you do that, the more this message dwells in you richly. I mean, I guess we could come together every time we come together and we could just give a list of thou shalts and thou shalt not. Go out and do all this stuff and don't do all that stuff. And we could just come together and kind of give each other lists of things to do and not do throughout the week. But that's, again, I say it all the time, that's not how the New Testament is written. The New Testament is written to say that the more Jesus rules in you and the more you understand who he is, what he asks of you, the life he's calling you to, and most of all, what he has done for you. You see, Jesus has forgiven you. And Paul says, just as you've been forgiven, forgive others. You see, because when you experience and when you set your heart on it, when you really let it sink in, how gracious and loving and forgiving God has been with you, you can't hardly help but be that way with each other. And if we're not that way with each other, then it's an indication we don't really get it yet. And if we're not kind and humble and meek and patient, we don't bear with each other and forgive each other, then it's just an indication we need the message of Jesus to dwell in us richly. We need the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. What should we do? Teach and admonish each other. Warn each other. Say, hey, brother, listen, remember who Jesus is. Remember the life to which Jesus has called you, sister. And we sing. We sing. We praise him with this message that's in our hearts, that's just overflowing out of our hearts. It comes out of our mouth and it edifies the whole church and the message of Jesus dwells in us richly. And imagine, church, imagine what would happen if every time we came together, we were intentional about letting the words of the songs we sing transform us. 
Imagine what would happen on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday as the peace of Christ rules in our hearts and the word of Christ dwells in us richly and everything we do in word or deed, we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, that's why I believe that when we come together, it shouldn't be a performance. Because the the singing, as Paul talked about it in the New Testament, was about participation, not about performance. It wasn't about entertainment. In fact, it was more about education, letting the message of Jesus dwell in us richly. And we believe that as we mutually participate in this activity of praising God and addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we are transformed. So here's the message I want us to leave with this morning. Christians experience spiritual transformation when we unite our voices in heartfelt song. Isn't that what he says both in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3? That if you want to be filled with the Spirit and you want the Word of Christ to dwell in you richly, then one of the things that you need to be doing is singing. And that's why, that's why everybody is encouraged to sing. Not, not because you like the sound of your own voice, not even because you necessarily like singing, but because you like Jesus. Because you like the Spirit of God. Because you like what it would look like to live a transformed life. And so we invite everybody to participate in this singing because we believe that Scripture teaches that Christians experience spiritual transformation when we unite our voices in heartfelt song. It changes us. So we invite you not only to sing this invitation song with us, but to keep singing with us week after week, month after month, year after year, and be transformed by the message of Jesus. But as importantly... Let's go out there and live it tomorrow with the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, with the word of Christ dwelling on us richly, and everything we do in word and in deed, doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus, who has saved us and forgiven us. So this morning, if we can pray with you, if we can encourage you, if you're ready to be baptized into Jesus, then hear us when we say that our songs over and over again are an indication that we love you and we're in this with you. So as we unite our voices in song, come forward now as we stand and sing.